Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, I'm fortunate to be sitting down again at the New York State High School Football Coaches Association. It's been a while since I've been here, but I really love this clinic. I think they do a great job, have some great coaches. Like the one I'm sitting down with here, Mike Turper, who's the head football coach at Ithaca. So, Coach, thank you for taking the time today. Thanks for having me, Keith. This is great. You know, I think what they do here at Turning Stone with the, the high school coaches here in New York is fantastic. And the lineup that they get year after year is star-studded. So just to be a part of this thing, I feel very honored. Oh, it, it, it is a really good clinic. Like, the first time I came out to it, it was like, how come I never knew about this clinic? I knew, you know, I was in Ohio all the time going to the Ohio high school coaches, which actually usually follows the exact same date as this. So yeah. never even heard about it, but I was blown away by the just the – the event, quality of speakers in the, in the venue, I think, did such a great job. And I know there's like 700 coaches here this weekend. Oh, I heard this one ever. Yeah, I heard it's the biggest one ever. Yeah. That's incredible. That's yeah. great. In, in this state, the high school coaches are so important to the development of these players. And it's just, this place, is, this the state is full of athletes. And they're walking those halls. Yeah. And these coaches are doing a great job trying to recruit them, especially out of COVID where they lost a couple years of development. Yeah, that's always been tough for everybody everybody's still recovering from that trying right. to figure out rosters and I think in a lot of ways it, it does benefit the, the small schools right I mean you know, the transfer portal has changed everything and I'm sure for you this is you know maybe even more than the guys at the high level this is your lifeblood to be able to get here and talk to the high school coaches most definitely most definitely and there's so many that graduated from Ithaca that are here I can't walk five steps down the hallway with somebody without a Cortica jug, sweatshirt on, or uh, you know, just anything related to Ithaca. They got their national championship rings on. It's really, it's nice to be here and, and be around so many alumni as well. Well, you guys had an outstanding season, a historic season. Want to dig into that a little bit? But for you, where did this journey start? What was it that made you want to become a football coach? I really didn't know I wanted to be a fo football coach when I was in college, and I had an, an awesome head coach in college by a guy by the name of Dave Wants that I played at Pitt, graduated in 08. I was working working the bar at Peter's Pub after I graduated in the spring, and I just didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, and he brought me into his office and said, hey, do you ever think about getting into coaching? 
I was like, well, I, I want to keep playing, but obviously that ship has sailed. So let's uh, let's see what we can do. He's like, I got a guy down the street, Jerry Schmidt, head coach at Duquesne. He's looking for a part-time DBs guy. Would you be interested? I said, how's it work around my bar schedule? <laughs> he said, it'll work. So we we uh, we made it work, and I just fell in love with it there. And um, then got a chance to go work for Jim Margraff down at Johns Hopkins, and that really changed my life. You know, some great places, great influences. When you look at those guys have been a part of, of your career, especially coming up as a young coach. What things did you learn from them that were just most useful to you and really have become who you are as a coach today? For sure, and I, you look back at my playing career and I played for an incredible staff there at Pitt. It was probably one of the best staffs ever aligned in college football. We had Dave Wanstead as our head coach, right? We had Paul Rhodes at first as our defensive coordinator. Then Phil Bennett came in, became one of my best mentors. Jeff Halfley was a GA there who became the DB's coach. Brian Angelico, who's been coaching the, in the league now for some time, was our tight, was a GA and a tight ends coach, Ithaca guy. Tony Wives was our O-line coach. We had Greg Gattuso, the head coach at Albany. He was our D-line coach. Charlie Partridge was our DN's coach and special teams coordinator to start. He's now one of the best D-line coaches in the country. Uh, so it was just an incredible coaching staff at the time. I didn't know how good it was, but now looking back, on it I just take a lot of things that they were doing when we were at Pitt and really thinking about it and thinking from wow I wish I would have picked that up when I was a player these guys were really good coaches but really the guy that made the biggest impact on my career because of not only my longevity there but the time of my life when I was in my 20s uh, that he could really mold me not just to a great coach but learn from him every day how to be a great man a great husband a great father was Jim Margraff down at, at Johns Hopkins and, and sadly he's no longer with us but he was a man that made not just me I can't say it was just me but so many people's lives he changed for the better and he was such a great man and I was just so blessed to be around him for those seven seasons. I know when we were talking that for you really foundational things three things uh, that you said it boils down to it's it's attitude preparation and teaching I would love to hear how those really fit who you are and how that works in the program. Yeah for sure I think as a coach, you have to make sure that you you can be who they need you to be every single day, regardless of what's going on at home, regardless of, man, I just lost that recruit, or regardless of, you know, my unit played really poorly last week, man, I, I'm really down in the dumps about it. No, you've got to flip the switch, and you've got to bring a positive attitude every single day, and I think that is really the thing that it starts with, your attitude, and not just your attitude being around the players, but the attitude of being open, and being open to helping these guys on the field and off the field. When they know that you care, then they're gonna play really hard for you. And being genuine, being authentic, being positive is so important. And then going into the preparation, I think being prepared to teach is just as important as teaching, right? And having a great plan, a progressive plan in every fundamental and scheme that you teach is so important. So that preparation comes in not only from an X's and O's standpoint, it comes into play in recruiting, it comes into play in every facet of coaching and then the teaching right we're not presenters we're teachers it's not about what we know it's about what they can process and execute on the field not everybody's capacity to play is the same so making sure we're great teachers and not just because of we can how many schemes we can draw up on the board but what we can teach can we teach to our guys that they can go out and execute at a high level and do their 111 to the best of their ability when you look at that process for you guys as far as how you're going to teach you know, starting the classroom walkthroughs, getting it out on the field. What are the things you really like to see as the head coach? You want to see from your assistants that, and I know everybody has a unique way of doing things, but I guess what you feel are uh, 
uh, the best things to do in order to, to be a great teacher. More than anything else is demanding feedback. And I learned a lot of that working at Holy Cross from Bob Chesney. He always talked about our assistant coaches demanding feedback from our players. So whether that's having two guys sit in the front of the room, one's an overhang on the right, one's an overhang on the left, you pause the film, after two seconds, what's your reaction here? Oh, hey, that's good, but you could be doing this better. Next, they go to the back of the room, next two guys up the front. Whatever you're gonna do, being creative in the meeting rooms, rather than letting them just sit there and try and absorb the information. We all know in this, this world of instant gratification, their attention spans are about two and a half seconds. So forcing them to give you feedback is the only way you're gonna get through to them and making sure them just shaking your head is not gonna do it. They gotta verbalize it, or sometimes they gotta physically get up and do it. So I think that's something, the feedback part of it is something that's really important to me um, when we talk about coaching progressions and teachings. So that, that attention span, and you know, we're all guilty of this, I would say even myself, at, yeah. at uh, 53 years old, have you know started to rely on my learning, my micro learning, right? And, and minute long clips, and, yes. you know, 200 and whatever it is, characters at a time. Um, and that's that's what we've become. It's hard to keep guys' attentions for those long times. So what are the things I guess you guys do to make sure that we're constantly engaging these guys beyond the feedback as you're, you're presenting? Well, it starts with something that Coach Chesney used to say when he would walk around to different meeting rooms. He'd look at you as, as a position coach and say, less words, less words. These guys can only process so much. We work in threes and fives. So fundamentals and techniques gotta be in three words or five words. That's it. You start talking way, way more advanced than that, it's going over their head. So threes and fives, and then really, like I said before, getting them engaged, moving around in the meeting, standing up, moving around, standing up, moving around, making sure that different guys, not just your starters, are answering questions. So really demanding that feedback, but also being concise and clear with your language is very important. Yeah, definitely. When you look at uh, the language part, Right. I think language is so important. It provides the, the structure of everything you're going to do. And I think a lot of that is thinking about, especially this time of the year, um, looking back on what you did. Uh, there's always that like creep of, of terminology that gets in. And I, you know, I can remember a lot of this you realize like when you come in new to a job and you start asking people, well, why is it named this and that? And, and they're like, geez, I, I don't even know. We got it from this guy and that guy. And then it just becomes this conglomeration of words that don't fit together. So what kinds of things do you do, I guess, to provide that that structure for your terminology that's going to make sense to your players that they can really learn? I think it takes time. I think it takes time as you as a coach to critically think and drill down what are the most important things that I need to get across to this player in this drill or in this scheme or this fundamental. What are the most important things? Drill down, write it down, start crossing out words, crossing out words, crossing out words, and how can you do it in the most concise manner where it's gonna make sense to them? You can physically demonstrate it, use those words over and over and over again when you physically demonstrate that drill or that technique or that scheme and just continue to hammer it. Because again, it's just repetition, repetition, repetition in everything that we do, and it's no different with language. Yeah, definitely, I was listening to uh, a clinic today, I put it on a podcast with Joe Davis, who's at Eastern Illinois now, and you know, that was one of his points of how they explain things, and you know, for him it even had, uh, I don't think it was, I think they were, they were Ron's words, right, like when he says it, you know, repeat it again and again, he wants those few words though, to stick in their head, and really to mean something too, because you don't want to lose, I think, the why the behind this, yes. because you've 
made everything a contraction, right? right. Like it still needs to carry a lot of meaning. There's got to be details. The There's yeah. got to be specifics. Coaching and positives and specifics are really important too. But So that's the dichotomy, right? You, you want less words, but you want to be detailed and specific. Finding that balance is really important. Yeah, yeah. Well, today you spoke on special teams. And, uh, you know, two things I saw you at the beginning there. Um, one, I can tell you're very passionate about that. And two, uh, the energy. I mean, I see it sitting right here, but you had the energy in that room too. And I think those are um, two important things to have, obviously, as a head coach. Uh, you've made that decision to be involved in special teams. And some people farm that out to somebody else and stay on one side of the ball. But, you know, how's that helped you, especially in your first year as a head coach? I think uh, help your players find success. I was so fortunate walking into my, this job in my first year as a head coach at Ithaca, a place I was familiar with. I was a D coordinator there a few years back. Went to Holy Cross, came back. I was very familiar with the staff. Nobody left. There was no turnover. We hit the ground running. I had a great defensive coordinator, great offensive coordinator. And I, was, I told the guys my first day, listen, coaches, you guys have done a great job riding the ship out, right in the ship when the other head coach left. I'm here to plug and play. Wherever I'm needed in this program, I'm coaching the O-line, I'm coaching the receivers, I'm coaching the DBs, I'm coaching the D-line. I'm going to find a way to do it to the best of my ability. And it just happened to be that special teams was a, as a un, were units that really, I wouldn't want to say get neglected, but they just didn't have the, quite the emphasis on them in years past that needed to make a big impact in the game. And for me, it was an easy slide-in because, you know, one, and I was in, when I was in college, I was a walk-on. I earned a scholarship through my play on special teams. And the guy that was in charge of the special teams my junior and senior year was our head coach, Dave Wanstead. And everyone paid attention because the head coach was involved. So I thought being able to jump in and just kind of getting our team to embrace a special teams culture. If you want to learn about your culture, look at the weight room and look at special teams. If guys are excited for those two things, then you got a chance. I know there's a lot more execution you got to do on both sides of the ball, but you got a chance if guys are into the weight room and they're into special teams. So that's really important, and I think really for us to be able to buy in as a team, it had to come from the head coach. So it was awesome, and I really credit our assistants because I trust them. They did a great job. We, we all worked in conjunction together. No one cared who got the credit, and it led to a lot of success in the football field. And you mentioned that you were willing to jump in at, at every position, so I imagine you've prepared yourself for that in case you were needed to be the D-line guy or yeah. the quarterback's coach, whatever it might have been. Um, a lot of guys, young guys, especially your age, seem to have specialized and pigeonholed themselves in one place. What's helped you to learn the game across the board so that you you, know, you were able or ready to be able to step in in your role? Right. Dave Wanstead gave me a great piece of advice when I was a young coach, and that was gain responsibility. Become valued at wherever you're coaching. Don't worry about the next job. Become valued at the one you're at. And it's going to be hard for that coach to let you go. Right? And I think that was my mindset at Johns Hopkins. I was a receivers coach. I was a DBs coach. I was a special teams coordinator. I was a recruiting coordinator. I did all those roles there when I was there. And, and But also, I enjoy doing the little things too. Picking up things after practice, setting up drills, being anywhere that they need me, needed me to be is what I really wanted to make sure that I was doing. So whether that's, you know, I was helping make graphics at Holy Cross or it was making sure that we're, we're all set for the official visits in some way, shape, or form when I was at Hopkins before I was a recruiting coordinator. And understanding that that, is all, that all matters and just creating value for yourself by gaining responsibility. Yeah, I, I think even when you look at 
things that things that seem like the little tasks, for example, like making the graphics. You know, if you're going to do that though, and you're doing it the right way, you start to dig into why are we doing this? What are we t- trying <laughs> yes. to accomplish? Like, yes. it helps you, even though that seems like a little task. Now you see the big picture in a different way. A hundred percent, because there's at times where I'm sitting there during COVID and making graphics and working on graphics for these recruits, and I'm wondering why does this even matter? Why is Coach Chesney ha- has me doing this right now? And then I look at the big picture of it, especially right now as the head coach, and say, "Oh, that mattered. The little details matter. We don't want to, you know, we have this thing as as head coaches and coaches in general that we have this little bit of paranoia that sets in, and you don't want someone else to be doing something you're not. So." Every detail matters. Every little thing matters. And that's something I really learned from Coach Chesney at Holy Cross. And that's something that sticks with me. And that's what I look for in young coaches. It's really the way, like, I remember back to when I was a young coach. I wanted to be a coordinator. That was my my first goal. And you get to that spot, not by doing everything it takes to be a coordinator, but by jumping in with the head coach and saying, I can take on some things here, Coach. You know, you can trust me to do some things here. And And... the responsibility grows out of that, not because you told no. the head coach, I want to be the coordinator. No, that's it, and that's the trust that gets built. And for me, you know, the most toxic thing that I've heard in this profession, the most toxic thing is that I've heard people say, be careful what you get good at. Be careful what you get good at. That is the worst thing you could tell a young coach. You want to be good at everything. I know that's going to mean some late nights and some early mornings, but gaining that responsibility, gaining that value, you're gaining trust along the way there as well. And that, you know, as we all know, that's one of the most important things that you can have as an assistant coach here in this profession. So we mentioned it's a historic year for Ithaca, uh, and you also won the your, your rivalry game, which I believe is called the Cortica Bowl, right? Cortica Jug, yeah. We played at the Yankee Stadium Yankee this year. Stadium. It's a lot of fun. 40,000 40 plus thousand. Incredible for our guys. Yeah. Man. It was just so much fun. Yeah, with, you know, coming into that situation, um, you know, a lot of times, I mean, even if a program's aligned, everything's been good, a new head coach coming in, uh, things don't always go the way you plan that you can bring it this way. For you, what do you feel were a few keys to being able to to move this forward the way you guys did? I think more than anything else, we had a player-driven program, and you say, well, how is that possible with a brand-new head coach? Well, the guys that were juniors and seniors were guys that I have deeply rooted relationships with, that I built through the recruiting process when I was here before as a defensive coordinator, coaching them as a defensive coordinator, and some of the offensive guys that I recruited, they trust me and I trusted them. And I talk about it all the time with these guys. We're gonna blaze the trail, you guys gotta drive the bus. We're gonna blaze the trail, you drive the bus. If there's mutual trust between the both of us, we got a chance. And there was, there was 100% complete buy-in. No matter what we did, we made sure that they were involved in decisions. And when the decisions were too big for them to be involved with and we made them, they trusted those decisions. And I think that was how we had alignment from the first guy, on our depth chart to the last guy on our depth chart. And I think that was, you know, nobody really minimized their role either. We had a full team investment, whether you're a scout team guy or a starter. No one cared who got the credit, and we all understood that we had a part to play, and we embraced it. So I'm sure now uh, the, the, the bar's been set. <laughs> yes. Uh, the, also, that means there's a target on your back. Correct. So how do you continue with this? I mean, can't stay the same so how do you really push your guys to guys we've got to get better we can't rest on this you know we've got more work to do 
playing the number one team in the country in North Central, we got humbled pretty quickly. And I think that left a little bit of bad taste in our mouth. And I think you're right, we are the hunted right now, but we gotta channel our, I gotta channel my own Kirby Smart and turn us into the hunters and make sure that we're going out there with a different type of edge this year. We're gonna find that edge in the off season. We're gonna lean on it during the season. And we're always going to be the hunters at Ithaca. We're never gonna be the hunted. So, Coach, you've mentioned a lot of great things here today, but when you look at all you do as a coach, what would be the one thing you say really gives your players a winning edge? Their love for each other. And we talk about it from the moment that these freshmen arrive on campus. You can sit in your dorms and hang out or your apartments off campus and hang out as juniors and seniors by yourselves. Or the faster you get those guys feeling like they're a part of this team and take an interest in their personal lives, the fastest we're going to be a team and you know we're going to win. We're going to need one of those guys. You don't know who it's going to be. And the guy that you think it's going to be, it's probably not going to be him. So make sure you get to know these young guys and make them feel like they're a part of this team because you're going to need one of them to save your senior year. And that was something that Jim Margraff talked about all the time at Johns Hopkins and something that we talk about a lot now at Ithaca is becoming a team and the power of an inclusive team cannot be overstated. What's the best way for our listeners to connect with you? Uh, hit me up on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. Email me. My email's on our website. Uh, I think, you know, really, now that I've been a head coach for a year, getting to know young coaches is something I've started to, you know, take pride in because I think, as we know, especially in this profession in Division Three level, where our salaries aren't the best, we're going to have some turnover. So I think that's the best way to connect with me either on Twitter or, or via email. What's your Twitter handle? At Coach Terp, T-E-R-P underscore. Awesome. Well, Coach... Really appreciate you taking the time here, sitting down with us, talking ball, and best of luck to you and Ithaca in 2023. Appreciate you, Keith. Thanks for having me on, man.